The desire to eat and the desire to let our bodies respond to music are primal and universal. Since Real Food Traveler is about seeing the world through the lens of food, I'm thrilled to be joined by someone who feels the same way about music and dance. Michaela Malazzi is the host of Bare Feet with Michaela Malazzi, a wonderful and unique travel show on PBS. And I'm Courtney Drake McDonough, the publisher of realfoodtraveler.com, a digital culinary travel magazine, and the host of the Real Food Traveler podcast. Michaela, I'm so honored to talk to you today. Thank you for having me, Courtney. It's great to be here. Now, as far as I know, there's no other travel or foodie show that is based in dance. Can you tell me a little bit more about how the show got its start? Yeah. So when I would travel for fun, uh, because this is how I traveled, uh, for recreation. Um, I was a dance teacher in New York city. I was a performer. Um, and I would use dance to connect with people in the places I was going to where I, I didn't know how to speak the local language. So, um, by using this universal language of dance and music, I was able to make friendships immediately. So, uh, I wouldn't just go up to random strangers and start dancing with them. It was, uh, usually I was traveling to places where there were celebrations or festivals or holidays, and there was naturally dancing in the streets, or I would go take dance classes or, or immerse myself in a, in a, in a situation where there was organic dance happening. And immediately, like I said, there were these friendships that, that were just made and, and there were other opportunities that came from the dance. So it wasn't like I was going to, uh, try to become a professional tango dancer or a professional, uh, K-pop star. You know, it just happened that through these dances, other doors opened up where all of a sudden I'm invited into someone's home for a family meal, you know, because we shared a dance. So, um, yeah, that's how, that's how the, the series, the idea for the series started. And since then I've seen so many other people who have started to use that universal language of dance and music to, to communicate with people, which I think is wonderful. I think the more people that do it, the better just to show how, how connected we all really are. Talk to me about the universality of it a little bit more. Like when you go to a destination, what is it about dance that seems to be so universal? Is it certain steps or just the concept of dance being an expression? I think it's more of the concept of dance as an expression. I, I found that when I meet someone where I can't verbally speak with them. I, every place I go, I, I make uh, an effort to learn how to say at least hello and thank you. Always thank you because to be gracious, to be humble, um, and for people to share their culture with me through dance and music. But there is this, um, uh, synchronicities, you know, we're synchronized as we're moving together. We're touching each other respectfully, you know, pre COVID and hopefully post COVID we are sweating together. We are, our endorphins are kicking in together in this, in this synchronized literal dance. Um, and that's where we're communicating with each other. And that's the universality of dance. It's not that, um, yes, there are so many overlaps of styles of dance when, and when you go from other regions of the world to the other, and you, you really feel how rhythms and dances and costume and language have evolved and have, um, immigrated with cultures have whether that's forcefully or, or chosen, uh, but you see the influences of all these cultures being intertwined, but it's really the idea that by through movement, people can communicate, um, without opening their mouths, right? You can, you read body language. Dance is a, a form of body language and, and to express joy. There are these universalities of what does joy look like? What does joy feel like? What is joy exchanged with someone that you can't speak with? What is that? What does that mean? And so that's where I think that universality comes from in that exchange of, of dance movements, in that synchronicity of dance movements, in the, um, in, in, in this playful way of being able to share a moment with someone where I, I can't, ex they can't explain to me what's happening, but I can feel it immediately. If that makes sense. Yes, it does. And, and that's mm -hmm. beautiful. I love that description. Now, coming at it from a food angle, I would have said something similar had you asked me about food. And, you know, because you're obviously eating the local cuisine when you're traveling and eating with people and having that connection of sitting down with people and eating the food they've prepared mm -hmm. and, and sharing in that experience. I think it's interesting that there is such a connection between the food angle and dance. 
Yeah. Well, you, you know, everybody has to eat, right? We, we, we have to eat to survive. And that's the more I travel, that's what I've, I've learned so much more is we are so much more alike than we are different. And we all need food. We all need shelter. We all need love, right? We need companionship and we all need a little bit of music and dance to survive really. Um, and you know, a lot of food traditions are based on either celebration or holiday. And also a lot of dances and music are, are based on the cultivation of food and, and, uh, the gathering of, of families around the dinner table or whatever that may look like in that culture. So there is an interconnection between food and dance. I don't, I don't really consider myself in our show, like a food show. It's really a cultural exchange show. And, and food is always a part of that conversation for me. Dance and music is always a part of that conversation. Um, and whatever is iconic to that destination is a part of that conversation. But you, I feel like you can't have one without the other. Um, and that might be my upbringing. I come from a, a big Italian family where food is the focal point of our family, right? Uh, every major moment in my life happened at the dinner table. Um, and every joyous occasion, but also every serious occasion, it was our meeting place. It was where we shared love, like food is love in my family. Um, and I feel that same way when I, when I become a part of someone else's family abroad, but also through dance music has always been a big part of, of my family's culture. And I see that in so many other cultures. And there's that, again, that universality of what is the gathering? How do people gather together through food, through making music together? I mean, so you can play music on your own, but it's not fun. <laughs> you can dance by yourself, but it's just not as much fun. And so there is that community, that sense of community that music brings, that dance brings, that, that food and, um, and, and celebration and eating together, cooking together. It's that, it's that communal sense of, of, of one goal. And, and I think that's really where all of those things really mesh well together, especially in travel. You know, you and I both live in the U.S. and Real Food Traveler is read here on and all around the world and the podcast too. So I want to ask this, do you find in the U.S., do we dance as much? I mean, do we incorporate dance into our culture the way other countries seem to do? I think it's different. I think it's... Um... What's interesting is seeing a younger generation of people. If you think about what TikTok is, right? TikTok is this huge movement uh, of kids that are coming up with dance moves, coming up with dance routines and sharing them and they're going viral. And so as there's this new generation of people that have grown up with dance as part of their everyday life, as part of the social system and social network. Um, there are communities here in the United States where dance is very much a part of everyday life, uh, a lot in the Hispanic community, a lot in the black community. Um, but you have a, a big part of the United States where people don't dance. It's, it, they think of dance as I have to go to a ballet studio or a dance studio and I'm, I'm not trained and I have two left feet. I hate when I, when I hear people say, oh, I have two left feet. I don't think that's real. I think like you know, if you can just move your body, if you feel the rhythm, if you feel moved by the music, you're a dancer, you're dancing, you're moving. Um, but yes, there's a huge difference, uh, across the world of what dance looks like and feels like, because a lot of people that I meet with in our, when making our show, they don't consider themselves professional dancers. They are world-class musicians and dancers, but they are doctors, lawyers, taxi drivers, cooks, chefs, you know, it, it it's secondary to them because, uh, dance is such an everyday thing. So it really depends on, on the culture. It depends on your upbringing. It depends on your mindset. But in the U S there is this very, um, sort of, um, uh, sterilized version of what dance is. It's either you're a trained dancer or you're not. And I think breaking that barrier, and that's what bare feet really tries to do with our show is you you can be considered a dancer. You are a dancer if you move your body. And there are ways of expressing yourself where you, you don't have to train your whole life um, in, in one style of dance uh, to be considered a dancer, right? It is just being moved by the music and, and passing down a tradition, much like a language. 
Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's, I think things are changing here in the United States. The more diverse our country is becoming, um, the more influences we have from immigrant communities from, uh, all over the United States of communities that really value and see and, ex and use dance as a form of expression. Um, as we all know, you know, dance is, is a big part of expression through oppression. So it is, uh, dance has been used for, um, in protest as revolution, um, in so many cultures in the Caribbean, in South America, here in the United States. Um, and that just goes without saying, it just continues to really, uh, persevere through dance and music. It's these wonderful cultures and traditions that have, um, survived because they are sort of under the radar seen as, as this form of entertainment when in actually a lot of times it's protest songs or, or, or poetry that's put to music that are, that is enabling, not enabling, um, um, mobilizing groups in protest. So music is powerful. Dance is powerful. Um, <laughs> I know that's like a, a really long winded answer, but there's, there, there's a shift I think happening here in the United States. Um, uh, but yeah, it's a different, it's a different mindset with the idea of what quote unquote dance is. Right. Yeah. That that's encouraging to hear because I've always felt like Americans are just a little bit pent up when it comes to dance. And I think it depends who's, who, who you're talking to, right? It really depends who you're talking to. There are so many communities here in the United States where, uh, it's dancing all the time. And there's so many where you wouldn't even dream of having dance. Um, but there has to be that, I think, um, you know, look, I get to travel abroad so much, but my second season of my show, we travel within the five boroughs of New York city. I don't need a passport to travel the world. I use my Metro card and that I love so much. I'm so proud of that season, not just because I love New York city and I love my home, but because this is a, a sort of a window into what living in the United States looks like and what our diversity brings to us in our communities. And, um, that's accessible. Even if you live in maybe a rural part of the, of, of the country, there are, uh, opportunities to try and find a bit of diversity or even your own dance, historical dance culture where you are. So, um, it, it, again, it depends on the community that you're talking to, but, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's like anywhere else you go in the world, there are places where dance isn't as prominent, you know, and I tend to not go there <laughs> because I love to dance. Um, but, but a lot of places there's dance everywhere. People always ask me, are you going to run out of places to dance in the world? I said, are you going to run out of places of to eat? You know, there's like so much variety in the exact same idea of that cultural identity through dance and music. Well, and I think that's one of the reasons why your show is so wonderful is because it shows us that dance is mm -hmm. everywhere all over the world. And as you said, it's this thing we all share. Now, your show is on mm -hmm. PBS. And for those of us who've literally grown up watching PBS, tell me what that means to you, the, the importance of being on PBS. Yeah, I am incredibly proud of being part of the public television system and the public television family. And uh, airing on, uh, PBS member stations across the country. We're on pbs.org. Officially all our episodes are there. What that means to me is, is giving access to educational and informational programming for free. Right. Um, I think what people don't understand, even people in the TV industry is I am an independent producer for my show. And that means that I don't get a check from PBS. Um, I have to find all my own funding. So that's the brought to you in part by is all of that funding helps produce the show. It also helps distribute the show. But what that means is I don't have an executive from a network telling me, Michaela, show more skin, or we need a little more drama or, you know, let's, let's, let's make it a little more gimmicky. That's not what public television is about. Public television is educational, informational, and entertaining programming for families. You know, what I love about our show is I have children, their parents, and their grandparents all watching our show together from all socioeconomic backgrounds, all uh, ethnic backgrounds, religions. It, it is really this beautiful uh, platform of accessible television, whether that's on broadcast or on digital, you know, if you want to stream it or, um, watch it on demand, 
but it is accessible in, and you're learning something you're, you're being transported to another place. And it's not just my show. The shows on public television are there to inform us and they're there to be transparent. And especially now in our country, um, that idea of transparency, that idea of truth, that idea of, of trust, especially in the media, I think is the most important to understand as an American, as a person who is trying to be as transparent and truthful as possible. I don't, you know, the reason why it's non-commercial television, why you don't see advertising on public television is because those advertise, there are no advertising, there's no advertising influence on the programming. And that's what keeps it truthful and, and transparent and, um, and, and full of conviction. I, I, I think it's super important. I, again, I grew up watching public television. That was my school. You know, my, my parents were too busy working and I, I grew up, um, watching Sesame street and reading rainbow and all these wonderful shows. And one of the best days of my life, I actually got to dance on Sesame street a few years ago. It was the best day of my life because to have grown up with something so iconic and, and I got to see the, the, the Muppets that were, I was dancing with, um, it, I just felt like a kid again. I felt like I was like a three or four year old watching this show. And here I got to be dancing in a Bollywood number in central park. Um, but it's a special place to have your content, uh, be consumed. It's, it's a special audience that really feels connected, uh, with me. Um, it's a special place that I know a lot of schools have been using our programming, uh, especially during COVID while everything is remote learning. A lot of parents have been using our programming. And to me, that's the most important. If I know that I'm helping educate and impact children, uh, then I know I'm doing something right. Absolutely. Bringing up the next generation in this way. Definitely. Well, you're a wonderful ambassador for PBS. <laughs> They're lucky to have you. Thank you, Courtney. Have you ever been dancing with people on your show or just personally, I guess, and, and when you're kind of new to a style and the moves and you've thought, oh man, I am in way over my head here. Oh, every time, every time. <laughs> yeah. Every time I'm like, this is the one that I'm not going to get. I just think like, I think this is it. This is the time. Um, but I learned very early on in filming the show. I think my, what I'm really good at is I don't mind showing when I mess up. Right. I, I want to show that I'm a real person. I'm not perfect. And this is what travel is. It's this joyous moment between strangers where mistakes are made, but you can laugh at yourself. You don't have to take yourself too seriously. You know, I'm, I, I'm not all done up with the best makeup and hair. I'm wearing workout clothes usually, or, or if I get to dress in costume, it's even better, but I'm not perfect. I don't ever want to try and portray myself that way. And I think that's what makes my show very accessible is people see me doing these things and they think, oh, maybe I could try that. And that's what I hope I inspire people to step a little bit out of their comfort zone, whether that's trying dance or trying a new food or, or going, you know, uh, just being a little more uncomfortable, getting more comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? That idea. Um, but early on, it was our second episode that we ever filmed. I filmed in, uh, Buenos Aires. If anyone's ever seen this episode, you know what I'm talking about. It's the end of the tango episode where I am so nervous because I had just learned tango in Buenos Aires that week. And here I am at the very end of the episode about to jump on stage and perform in a professional tango show. Um, and I, my nerves were so worked up that I was getting so upset and I was so nervous because all of these people had paid. It was like performing in a Broadway show when you had just learned how to tap dance basically. Um, and so I was so nervous. Um, but then I realized right before I went on stage, I thought, Michaela, this is your dream. This is exactly why you started bare feet. You wanted to jump in with people and perform with them and, and immerse yourself fully and you're doing it. So there's nothing to be nervous about. And ever since that moment, I've never been nervous. I I'm ready to make a mistake and I'm, I'm good. I embrace it. Um, 
And whenever I do make a huge mistake, I always keep it in the edits, you know, cause I want people like I, f- I fell down doing, um, what was I doing? Uh, uh, Highland, the Highland fling. And I, I tripped over the swords and I love that moment because I'm laughing at myself and I want to show people that it's not easy and it's fun and, and it's messy and weird. And, and, and that's what this process is about. That's what travel's about. But, um, yeah, I always feel like I'm in over my head and I, half the time I think like, oh my God, I'm not getting these steps. Like everything is flying by me. And then I watched the edit and I was like, oh, I got it. <laughs> like, I really think I'm, I'm all over the place half the time. <laughs> well, from what I've seen on your show, nobody seems to look at you like that was wrong. They all seem to be so lovely and accepting of what you're doing. They, and that's what helps yeah. And that's, I feel very lucky because everyone I've met has been so warm and kind, not that they wouldn't be, you know, there's no reason why they wouldn't be, but, um, I, I feel so safe in the sense that I, I, f- they're, they're, they're very warm with me and they're giving me and sharing with me their culture. And, and I think my superpower is I'm very good at, at mimicking people and imitating people, not just as a dancer, but with movement, with uh, expression. And so I'm very good at that sort of body language communication. This goes back to that universality of it. And I think I'm good at making people feel comfortable on the other end. So then they think, oh, she's getting it. Let's give her a little more. Let's give her a little more. So it's fun for them versus feeling like, oh my gosh, we have to teach this girl a dance and she's flopping all over the place. <laughs> So I think there is that, that sort of sense of, um, uh, a feeling of comfortability, right. Of we both are, are feeling really comfortable with each other and that helps tremendously. Yes, definitely. A lot of us, as you know, are very hesitant to dance, even though we'd love to, because we're afraid of looking foolish mm-hmm. and which is such a shame because of the joy and the release mm-hmm. that dance can bring to everybody. So what would you say to people who want to dance and just let loose, but they're, they're afraid to, they're hesitant to. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I feel that way sometimes too, where I'm, I feel very self-conscious, but what I found is when you're traveling and I know COVID has put a, a hold on a lot of this, but when we are in a place that's not familiar we're more likely to try something new, right? When you're in, uh, you, you're, you save all this money and you're taking a big trip to Spain, right? You've never been to Spain. You're probably more likely to do something and try something different or, or, or try something new because a everyone around you doesn't know who you are. You're a complete stranger. So you don't feel like, Oh, these people are going to judge me, but if they do judge me, who cares? They don't know who I am. So if you're in a new place, take advantage of that moment where no one knows who the heck you are, do that. And just be like, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm going to try it. And then you get a sense of the joy and the release that you have. And then what I like to do is I bring that back with me back home. And I think that's what I I got addicted to was this feeling of not really giving a crap of what people would think. And it just stuck with me when I came back home. So, uh, I started to implement those practices of when I was traveling of letting loose and feeling free and talking to strangers. And I like to say, I make new friends by dancing with strangers is doing that back home. And I'm, I'm an extrovert. I know that I come from, my mother's an extrovert, an extrovert. I'm just like her. Um, but even if you're not remember that moment where if you put yourself in a place where you're, you tend to, um, step more out of your comfort zone, which we tend to do when we're traveling because it's this once in a lifetime moment, replicate that when you're not traveling and you'll start to build that muscle. It's really like a practice. You're, you're practicing using that muscle of feeling uncomfortable and it starts to not feel so uncomfortable. And then guess what? You're going to have so much fun and you're going to want to keep doing it. So it's really only a benefit to you and you can start small, you know, look, I'm always the first person on the dance floor at a wedding always. And I know there are people that wait for that first person to go. And as soon as that first person goes, then they all kind of come up and, and start dancing because no one wants to be the first, right? No one wants to be that one person dancing by themselves. But at some point, someone has to do it, <laughs> right? Someone has to be the first. And I, I'm always like, who cares? I know as soon as I get up there, more people are going to join me. So it's really, uh, again, practice, 
flexing that muscle of feeling a little bit uncomfortable, but in the end, it's worth it. It's totally worth it. I'm glad you mentioned fun in conjunction with that, because last year, right before COVID hit, I had this opportunity to go to a resort in Cancun, and they had this amazing round infinity pool and overlooking the ocean. It was incredible. And there were people there from all over the world. And I didn't want to get in the pool because I didn't want to be seen in a swimsuit and I didn't want to look foolish swimming. But I got in and I'm swimming across this pool and I had this big epiphany that, A, I'm never going to see these people again. And B, they probably aren't paying attention to me anyway. Mm -hmm. And then C, it hit me how much fun this was and that that meant that all the times I'd been uncomfortable and held myself back, I was cheating myself out of a heck of a lot of fun in life, you know, and, and Mm -hmm. that was such a breakthrough to think, just have fun, enjoy this and revel in it. Exactly. Because when we don't, we're cheating ourselves out of wonderful life experiences when we hold ourselves back. Exactly. Exactly. 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. And who, who, you know, you when people think about that, you're the one who's at a loss, not the people that you think care, right? You're the one that's not going to be able to go back to Cancun once you come home and replicate that. It's, it's, it, I, I'm all about the carpe diem, you know, you just gotta, you gotta go with it. And what's funny is I get so many messages from fans um, saying, you look like you're having so much fun all the time. And I'm like, I am, <laughs> I'm having the best time of my life, you know, and I can't help myself. I have this, uh, you know, smile on my face the whole time because I'm just having so much fun. We've talked about this a little bit, but when people are watching your shows, what are you hoping they come away with? Yeah, I hope that they learn a, a little bit about a culture that they may not have known about. I hope that they um, may look at a culture that they thought they had known something about a little differently. Um, and I hope that they, they see how much fun it is to, to connect with other people. You know, a lot of travel shows really feature the destination, like the natural beauties and the, the beautiful spas and hotels and, and all these fun activities to do and, and restaurants to go to. And that's wonderful. Um, there are so many wonderful shows that do that. I don't do that. And I don't, I don't you know, they do that much better than I do. But what we do is we really try to focus on the people of the place and the way that we connect with the people is through my language of dance and music. And what I hope it does is it inspires people to travel a little differently, especially now, once we can travel again, I'm hoping that, you know, they'll consider some other destinations that may not have been, may not have been on their bucket list before. I hope they consider doing, um, some activities that they may not had considered before, like taking a dance class or, or, or going during a festival or holiday or celebration or, or sharing a meal with someone, um, you know, all of these things or taking a music class. Um, those are things that I want to inspire people and to take away from our show is, there's more to travel than just getting your Instagram shot. And there's more to travel than, than staying at a luxury hotel, because to be honest, well, we don't ever stay at luxury hotels. <laughs> a, we can't afford it, but B I'm never in the hotel. I'm out exploring the destination. I'm out connecting with the people. And again, during COVID, everything is, is a little bit on hold for travel, but I do believe that once we get back into travel, people are so hungry for that connection, that human connection that we've, we've really, um, uh, not lost because it is going to come back, but you know, everything is virtual, everything is digital and people miss holding hands and hugging and dancing and, and, and being in the same room with each other that I think it's really going to come back and people are going to spend a little more time in the places that they go to. And I hope they consider, you know, again, the amount of joy that they see me having and that they could do that too. It's not because I have a TV show. I was doing this before I made the TV show. It's my own personal experiences that inspired me to make my TV show this way, because I was having so much fun and I was meeting so many wonderful people that I thought this would be a great television series, um, to show what travel's about. Yes. Yes. 
I know when I'm traveling, when I'm leaving, I'm filled with kind of equal parts, so much gratitude for having had the opportunity, but also sadness because when you travel, as you know, you're in this glorious little bubble that's not your normal day to day. So I'd like to know when you leave a place, how do you take with you what you've learned and absorbed and loved about it to to take back with you? Well, I I have a unique situation where I get to relive (laughs) that trip over and over and over again, because um, first of all, as part of my souvenirs, what I love to do is I send postcards to, I have a list of about 12 people that I always send postcards to, um, on every trip I go to, including myself back home. I send a little postcard and sometimes it takes out two weeks to get back home. Sometimes it takes two months to get back home. And it's this beautiful little reminder of where I was at that moment, um, sending a postcard and receiving it once I'm back home. Um, but I love to buy either, uh, instruments or, or, or pieces of costume that I'd worn or dancing shoes. Like I've bought flamenco shoes, Irish step dancing shoes, tango shoes. I love, I have such a collection of dance shoes, um, and instruments and, and costumes that that's what reminds me of the place. Um, but I'm lucky, uh, that once I get back, you know, it may be a couple months until we look at that footage because we're filming and filming, but then I get to go and we have to retell those stories. I have to go back, sit with my editor. I'm writing scripts. I'm, I'm writing out the paper edits for the episodes and how these stories are going to come through. And then I get to relive those moments through a different lens because I'm experiencing it on one end, right. As the person experiencing it firsthand. And then I see what my, my crew had captured on the other end. And sometimes Um, there are moments where I don't, I forget a lot of like the funny things that happen. Um, there are other moments where I see like, uh, you know, I love our bloopers reel because I act so ridiculous and I just don't remember all the silly, dumb things that I get to do. And then here we get our bloopers reel. And it's just this, like, it brings me back to those moments of just letting loose. Um, but also just reminding myself of how lucky I am, uh, to have this job where I get to have all these amazing experiences of, of, of dance and music. And so I, again, my, my situation is so unique. Um, and what I, I try not to take too many photos myself. I mean, I have to, for, for social media and to, to really, um, use when we're promoting the show, but I really try and and take a lot of mental pictures because I want to be in the moment and not remember that memory through a four inch screen of my phone. I want to remember it through the lens of my actual eyes and my brain and and my, all my senses and what it smelled like and what the music felt like and how the movements felt. So, um, I know this is very cliche, but being really present in, in, in what's happening and putting your cell phone down and, and because look, I know when people say, if you didn't post it on social media, did it really happen? Of course it did. Right. You don't have to share everything. You don't have to document everything. Um, and what, when we finish shooting and we put the cameras down, I always tell my crew, all right, now it's your turn to learn this dance. I want them to try it. I want them to have fun. Um, and we don't need to film that, you know, there's, there are moments where you can have these beautiful memories and it doesn't have to be documented and that's okay. That's okay. And it's a good thing to remind yourself. That's a very good thing. And I love that idea of sending yourself a postcard. I'm definitely going to do that next time I travel. Yeah, it's really fun. You and I are both make our professions in the travel realm. So I want to talk about what it's been like for you to be a travel professional who can't travel. And as you said, being a dancer who travels, who can't literally reach out and touch people when you dance. But before we get to that, I want to talk a little bit more about your carnival series. How did that come to be and how can people watch it? Yeah. So, I mean, that, that goes hand in hand too, because we filmed our, I was able to go to the Guadalupe islands for carnival, uh, a few years ago, and this was pre COVID. Um, and so this was actually going to be one of 12 episodes for our season four. Um, and we had filmed it, uh, 
right before we started filming our season three, actually, because season three was based on my DNA um, map. So every destination in season three is, is a, a one region of my DNA map, um, which was really fun. But I had this opportunity to film Carnival in the Guadalupe Islands, and we thought, let's film it. And then we'll use it for season four once we get back to filming for the next season, because Guadalupe Islands was not on my DNA map. Um, so, you know, March comes, we all know what happens. Everything is frozen. Um, and I was sitting on this footage thinking it was going to be one episode and we looked through it and there was enough to make two beautiful episodes. And we thought, okay, you know, let's, let's put this out in February. Cause that's carnival season and black history month. And we decided this back last April, April of 2020. And then just a few weeks later, uh, the murder of George Floyd happened. And we thought, wow, we have to celebrate black voices and black culture. And, and, and this, this culture of the Guadalupe islands is so powerful. And the interviews we were getting, again, pre-COVID, uh, pre-height of BLM. And it was just this amazing moment of realizing we have to get these episodes out. We're going to put them out in celebration of Carnival and Black History Month for February. So that was, I was working a lot on that for fundraising because in COVID it was really difficult doing that, but storytelling, working with my editor, piecemealing it together. So I felt really grateful that we had those, that, that footage to create the, the two part special that's now airing on local PBS stations across the country. It's coming to create, um, in end of February. And we're also on the PBS app and pbs.org. So if you have a smart TV or Apple TV or Roku or Amazon fire stick, just check out the PBS app or PBS passport and put in bare feet. And you can watch that two part special plus all of our episodes. That's number episodes, number 39 and 40. So we have 40 episodes. That's 20 hours <laughs> of programming that we can transport you around the world, uh, through dance and music. And another thing that I've been doing during the, the pandemic. So right when it first hit, um, and we were in official lockdown and realizing, okay, we're not going to be traveling for a while. I thought, how can we keep this mission alive of traveling the world and staying connected with the world through dance and music? Because I felt again, lucky that my brand is not about travel hacks or best places to go or when to book your, the, the your, your airline ticket. What's the best time? Our, our, my travel content is about the culture and the dances and the music. And I thought there's still a way that we can stay connected through dance. So every Tuesday and last year I did it twice a week. And then this year, starting 2021, I realized twice a week is a lot because we had this new season. Um, but every Tuesday on social media, on Facebook live and YouTube live, I meet with a dancer from around the world or a traveler and I interview them and then they teach me part of their dance. So we've done, oh gosh, it's like I've had over 47, almost 50 guests on, um, every week. And we've done, uh, um, what do we do? We did, we've done uh, samba in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro. We've done Irish step dance in Ireland. We've danced with a the, the Haya dance with the Tanzanian princess. Um, we've, we just today, uh, celebrated carnival in the Guadalupe islands with one of the dancers that we feature in the show and all of those videos stay up. So if you ever want to rewatch any of the videos or participate later, you go to our Facebook page or our YouTube channel, and you can rewatch all of those. They're also on our website at travelbarefeet.com. And I'm, it's been a godsend to me. I, I feel like it's kept my sanity. Um, and I've been able to stay dancing. I feel like I'm connecting with not only the people that I'm bringing on as my guests, but our, our viewers feel connected with the world because they join us once a week, get, we get them up and moving, but we're bringing them to another part of the world. Literally, you know, whether that's or virtually through, you know, dancing in Rio, but also through the dances. So if we're doing Haitian folkloric dance in Brooklyn, those people feel like they are, dancing with the people of Haiti, you know? And so it's this beautiful way of feeling connected through dance and music with the rest of the world. When we can't travel, we can't leave uh, our homes. We can't get on a plane. And until we can again, safely, we're just going to keep doing our bare feet live series. It's hashtag bare feet live. Um, and I'm super proud of it. And we just had some wonderful, wonderful guests. We've also had some amazing, we've started doing travel talks too. So we've had my friend Rick Steves on, we've had Samantha Brown, we've had 
Phil Rosenthal of, of Netflix's Somebody Feed Phil. Uh, we've had so many wonderful guests and we're continuing to have more and more travel guests. Uh, but it's wonderful. And, and last week we actually had my guide, Rudy, who's in our show. You meet him in our Guadalupe episode. He gave us a beautiful tour of the Guadalupe islands at the beach. So here we are in New York, it's snowy, it's cold. And here he's taking us to St. Anne beach, eating a coconut ice cream. You know, it's just a beautiful day. And he, he really took us on this little virtual moment of let's go to the beach, right? We're just going to go to the beach for an hour. And, and it was really fun. So that's what I've been up to. It's, it's not the same. I know it's not the same. Um, but it's the next best thing. You know, we're still, I, I I'm featuring old friends of mine who we featured in the show before, but I'm also making all these new friends through dance that I have reached out to me or I've reached out to them to say, Hey, let's, let's do some dancing. One of the women uh, her name is Linda Sims. She's one of my favorite bare feet lives. Uh, it, we did uh, soul line dancing in new Orleans and she is just, I feel like we're kindred spirits and I, we were planning on doing an episode in new Orleans. And now, you know, once we can travel again, we definitely are. And she, I told her, I was like, you're the first on the list that's going to be in our show because her energy is infectious. She and I just love dancing together and we met virtually. And it's just amazing how you can still really keep that sense of connection alive uh, through social media and through technology. Well, pivot is a word probably the word of the year for people. Right. <laughs> um, and you've done such a wonderful job of it. Besides partaking of all the things you've done and some of the virtual things out there, do you have any words of advice for those of us who are feeling kind of trapped and sad that we can't get out and travel and explore other places? Travel will come back. We will be able to come back. I think um, there are so many wonderful shows and I hope those of you who are listening will tune into our show that will transport you for now, right? And help to give you some inspiration for when we can travel again. I, I'm depressed too. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I have to, I have to remind myself that I have a roof over my head. Um, you know, I, we've had a lot of friends who have lost uh, loved ones during COVID. We've had a lot of people in our family who have been ill because of COVID. And so I think it's really taking into consideration the things that we do have right now. Um, and I've been cooking a lot, you know, and, and, and use and learning how to use different spices. I also, when I traveled, I, especially Morocco, I brought back a whole bunch of, of incredible spices from Morocco and I've been cooking with them because now I have time and I feel like I'm brought back to the, to the markets of Fez, you know, these, these aromas of, of spices, but you know, there's our show. There's so many other wonderful travel shows that, until we can travel again, these are a wonderful way to, to see the world, right? Uh, to see the world through, um, the lens of other, other people and, you know, joining me on our bare feet lives, we're doing this every single week. So even if you feel lonely, whether that's you want to travel or you just feel lonely, join us. These are, this is a room full of people. It's just me and my guests, but you're with me and you're dancing with me and, and we connect with people. And the only thing I can say is at some point we're going to get out of it because much like every other tragedy in human history, it ends, right? It ends at some point and, and, and we move forward. I don't know how long that's going to take. I don't know when that's going to happen, but we do know it's going to end at some point. So there, we just have to put that sort of into perspective. And, and I think when we, again, when we do travel, once travel does come back, I think we're going to appreciate it so much more and we're really going to take it in and, and take the time to travel, take the time to, to enjoy what travel should be the messy part and the beautiful part, you know, everything about it. I think taking longer, a little more time for vacation, maybe a little more time for our health, maybe a little more time with our family and not be on, um, our devices, you know, because we're always on our devices even more. So now it's like, you know what, let's go somewhere and leave the phone at home. Let's just get lost. Um, so until then, you know, we just have to survive. You know, I really believe that. I think if we're surviving, if you're still alive and you're listening to this, you're okay. You're doing all right because that's hard enough. <laughs> that is hard enough. 
Yes. And I'm glad you said what you did about appreciating travel more. Mm -hmm. I wrote an article on that, that very topic a while back. And, you know, I feel as God awful as this has been, there are some good things that have come from it. And I do believe that in a way, in terms of travel, at least, this has been a real reset. So we're never going to look at travel the same way again, ever. No, I don't think so. Um, And we hopefully are going to appreciate Mm -hmm. it a lot more. Yeah. Now you talked about cooking and Moroccan spices. So Mm -hmm. I have to ask, because we talk about cooking authentic cuisine from other places and you know, that's been our pivot. We, our travel writers obviously aren't traveling as much. So we've turned our attention a little bit more mm-hmm. to cooking and trying to experience destinations through cooking with some of those ingredients and making some of those dishes from other countries and experiencing travel through our dinner plates. So since you obviously cook, uh, tell me about some of the things you've been cooking that harken back mm-hmm. to your travels. Yeah. So again, I, I was lucky that we got to meet with Chef Asu in Morocco and we went to a, a, his, his favorite spice shop and took home all of these amazing spices. So I've been cooking a lot with uh, cumin, which, you know, I, I cook mostly at home Italian food and we don't use cumin. <laughs> we don't use that at all. Um, but I've been sort of, um, uh, cumin and turmeric I've been using a lot and it's been this wonderful, bright, spice, especially the turmeric and the cumin I put with uh, cauliflower and I'll just put it in a skillet and, and sort of put a little bit of shallots, olive oil, salt, cumin, and a little bit of turmeric and really just get that blend. And it just is so, such a warm, especially, um, in the wintertime, this warm dish, vegetarian, super filling and, and delicious. I also have started, um, doing sort of like, a uh, like sort of not a meditation, but in the mornings I make chai, I make Indian chai and it takes me a good 45 minutes to make this chai. And if this was any other day, not COVID time, I would have, I wouldn't have the time to make homemade chai, but because I have the time and the process of it is this ritual that I have every morning. I love it. So I, I, I was sort of, um, trying to remember the tastes that I had in Mumbai of chai. I also have a lot of Indian friends and replicating that and, and, and looking online and trying to find some, some inspiration for, for recipes. And I found my, I've sort of, uh, worked out my own recipe where I, I, um, grate a bunch of ginger and I, uh, break about nine cardamom pods And I put in like two cups of water and I simmer that for a good 15 minutes. Then I add in cinnamon, a little bit of cloves, ground cloves. And then I add Assam tea, a little bit of vanilla almond milk, and then at the very end, some milk and let that stew and then strain it. And it is this spicy, delicious sense. And I feel like I'm brought back to Bombay. I'm in Mumbai. Um, But it's a good 45 minutes of making tea in the morning and it gives me this sense of ritual. Like every morning I know I'm going to start, uh, grating the ginger and it gives me, um, a little bit of, 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 um, a sense of like relief. And I recently read an article saying that the, the, the idea of cooking, because you have a goal in mind, right? that sense of cooking and using your hands has been really good mental therapy for people during COVID, whether they realized it or not. And I have always loved to cook, but I am cooking exponentially more, uh, during COVID. We actually have eaten out very, very rarely. My husband and I, um, we've made bread. He's done the whole starter. I mean, we do everything, but I, I, what I love about this too, is aside from cooking dishes that are foreign to me and trying to find them, I'm reaching back out to my grandmother and my mom. And I'm trying to replicate all of our family dishes that I grew up with that I haven't had time to make. And it's been this wonderful way of reconnecting with my roots of feeling a little bit of comfort when there is less comfort, you know, of, of discomfort. And so it's been this wonderful time of, of, um, writing down all these beautiful recipes and perfecting all these recipes. A lot of these recipes are my great grandmothers, right? And I'm sure they go even further back, but just from my grandmother telling me, well, her mom used to do it this way. And, and then my father's mother used to do it this way and all these old dishes. And, and that's, what's been really comforting to me is 
again, I come from a, my parents are, I'm first generation Italian American. So I, I have a, a lot of, of dishes that my family still makes, which I feel very lucky to have, but we all, every family has traditional dishes, whether they're old recipes or whether they're new recipes, but it's a way to feel connected with your roots, with your family, where you come from, um, to share with your family or with yourself of like, I'm taking pictures and I, I'm not with my parents or my grandmother, but I take pictures of the process and show them photos of me making the meatballs and all these things. And they love it. They love seeing that those traditions are being passed down and it's delicious. I've gained the COVID-19, you know, I feel like we've all gained the COVID-19, but you know what? I am okay with that because I, it's, it's bringing me comfort. It's bringing me so much comfort. Um, and food is, what is it? The sense of smell is the closest thing related to memory, right? So if you can replicate memories, um, and again, that's going back to that chai recipe. I kept sort of finagling and, and experimenting with the recipe so that it would bring me back. Oh, this is the taste I remember back in Bombay. Right. And it, I had to experiment a few times, I would say a good week of, of, of changing up the recipe, but I got it and now I know it and I nailed it and I love it. And, um, it brings me back. It's those memories, uh, of, of, of fond, fond memories traveling, but also those beautiful fond memories of my family. And I get to do that through food too. It's wonderful. It's really wonderful. Well, if I wasn't already so impressed by you, <laughs> just being a, a person that I get to see on TV, the fact that you make your own chai just blows <laughs> me away. Oh, thanks. Well, before we wrap up, let's go over all the ways that people can enjoy mm -hmm. your show and the Bare Feet Lives and uh, connect with you on social media. Of course. Uh, if you go to travelbarefeet.com, that's travelbarefeet.com, you'll find everything there. There's a link to our Bare Feet Lives. There's links to all our social media channels. But on every social media, we are at Travel Bare Feet. That's on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Um, and if you look at, uh, look for us at, uh, bare feet with Michaela Malazzi, um, if you don't want to use Facebook, cause I know a lot of people are trying to get off Facebook, our lives are, are simultaneously streaming on YouTube. So you can dance with us. You can always access all of our past bare feet lives. Um, on our website and on our YouTube channel and on our Facebook page. And then you can watch all of our shows. We're also available on Amazon prime. So if you're a prime member, all the episodes are for free, but also pbs.org, uh, the PBS app, all of our episodes are free. We always try and make all of our episodes accessible and we have closed captioning. We also have description for the visually impaired. Uh, of course we try and make our shows as accessible as possible to all abilities. Um, so, and, and free for school systems and for people to use. So travelbarefeet.com is where you can find all this information. But again, it's bare feet with Michaela Malazzi. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, easy enough. And we'll have an article on a real food traveler that accompanies this podcast. And we'll have the links on there so that people can click right through if they happen to come at us through the website. Well, Michaela, I have to admit, I was a little nervous to do this podcast oh, because you're a TV person. <laughs> Um, but I once got to meet Patty Hinnich and she was just the dearest oh, person. She is a sweetheart. I love her. I love her. And I have to say you're a lovely person and you're just as real and genuine um, to talk to as you are on TV. And for a viewer, I think that means a lot. Thank you, Courtney. So this has been so much fun and I really appreciate you being our guest today and we love your show. And we'll continue to watch and we'll take advantage of the Bare Feet live episodes. I Unfortunately, I missed it today. I totally missed it. That's okay. They're up. They're up. That's the best thing is they're still up. So if you ever want to go back and rewatch them, they're there. Well, stay safe, stay healthy, and here's to traveling again soon and to dancing. Thank you, Courtney. Thank you so much. <laughs>